Hey everybody, Merry Christmas. This is the December 9th letter. I am going to read a couple of pages and paragraphs from the same book that I last recorded, Return from Tomorrow. And I don't know if you listened to the last letter, but the main character in this book, and it's written by him, is George Ritchie. And he has an experience where he dies for a few minutes. And in the beginning of his death experience, he meets Jesus Christ and has a really uh, interesting encounter with him. And this is a little bit further on in the experience. And he talks about other people who have died and who are kind of stuck on earth and um, who haven't gone on to the next space, which I believe is the spirit world and where spirits are able to progress and learn more. But these people are stuck. And so it's super interesting. And, and the reason I chose this is um, not because it's particularly unique. It's actually a really common way that Earth is perceived, that there are people who are alive on Earth, and, there's and there are people who are stuck either because they don't realize that they've died or because they're afraid of moving on. Or it just may be their choice. They may be so obsessed with things on Earth that they're here. So these are some of the things that he observed. So first, he he's still with Jesus in his own words, and he, they, he takes him to a city, and he watches a few interactions, and he goes later on, I think he goes into a bar, and that's the part that's really interesting. It says, I remembered myself yelling at a man who never turned to look at me, and then I recalled the people here in this town, trying in vain to attract attention, walking along a sidewalk without occupying space. Clearly, these individuals were in the same substanceless predicament I myself was in. Like me, in fact, they were dead. But it was so very different from the way I had always imagined death. I watched one woman of maybe 50 following a man of about the same age down the street. She seemed very much alive, agitated, and tearful, except that the man to whom she was addressing, addressing her emphatic words was oblivious to her existence. So it goes on to describe this interaction, and it's a mother who looks like she's in her 50s, and she's following this man who's also looks like he's in his 50s, and she kind of um, berates him and talks to him about his wife, and he wonders how long that the mom has been following him, worried about him. And then he thinks of this scripture. It says, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth for where your treasure is. There will your heart be also. And he says, I had never been any good at memorizing scripture, but those words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount sprang into my mind now like an electric shock. Perhaps these insubstantial people, the businessman, the woman begging cigarettes, this mother, although they could no longer contact the earth, still had their hearts there. Did I? What kind of terror I thought okay um and then this in this next section he is going to a bar and grill and <laughs> ironically it says it's right outside of a navy base or yeah near what looked like a large naval naval base there's a crowd of people in there and there are a bunch of sailors some a bunch of them were drinking beer and whiskey and here I'll start quoting from the book 
Then I noticed a striking thing. A number of the men standing at the bar seemed unable to lift their drinks to their lips. Over and over, I watched them clutch at their shot glasses, hands passing through the solid tumblers, through the heavy wooden countertop, though the very through the very arms and bodies of the drinkers around them. And these men, every one of them, lacked the aureole of light that surrounded the others. Then the cocoon of light must be a property of physical bodies only. The dead, we who had lost our solidness, had lost the second skin as well. And it was obvious that these living people, the light-surrounded ones, the ones actually drinking, talking, jostling each other, could neither see the desperately thirsty disembodied beings among them, nor feel their frantic pushing to get at those glasses. I thought I had seen heavy drinking at fraternity parties in Richmond, but the way civilians and servicemen at this bar were going at it beat everything. I watched one sailor rise unsteadily from a stool, take two or three steps, sag heavily to the floor. Two of his buddies scooped down and started dragging him away from the crash. But that was not what I was looking at. I was staring in amazement as the bright cocoon around the unconscious sailor simply opened up. It parted at the very crown of his head and began peeling away from his head, his shoulders. Instantly, quicker than I had ever seen anyone move, one of the insubstantial beings who had been standing near him at the bar was on top of him. He had been hovering like a thirsty shadow at the sailor's side, greedily following every swallow the young man made. Now he seemed to spring at him like a beast of prey. In the next instant, to my utter mystification, the springing figure had vanished. It all happened even before the two men had dragged their unconscious load from under the two the feet of those at the bar. One minute I had distinctly seen two individuals. By the time they propped the sailor against the wall, there was only one. Twice more as I stared, stupefied, the identical scene was repeated. A man passed out, a crack swiftly opened in the oriole around him. One of the non-solid people vanished as he hurled himself at the opening, almost as if he had scrambled inside the other man. Was that covering of light some kind of shield then? Was it a protection against disembodied beings like myself? Presumably these substanceless creatures had once had solid bodies, as I myself had. Suppose that when they had been in these bodies, they had developed a dependence on alcohol that went beyond the physical. That became mental, spiritual even. Then when they lost that body, except when they could briefly take possession of another one, they would be cut off for all eternity from the thing they could never stop craving. An eternity like that, the thought sent a chill shuddering through me. Surely that would be a form of hell. I had always thought of hell when I thought of it at all as a fiery place somewhere beneath the earth where evil men like Hitler would burn forever. But what if one level of hell existed right here on the surface, unseen and unsuspected by the living people occupying the same space? And he goes on, and, and it's a super interesting book. I, I would encourage you to um, buy it if you can. Again, it's Return from Tomorrow by George Ritchie. And um, he goes on and talks about another level of hell where he sees people, not just disembodied spirits trying to um, influence or, or enter living people, to experience their addictions, but just ones that are so full of anger, 
um, and pain and addiction that they are just raging at each other, but they can't, there's no effect. So it's just really super frustrating. And I have read this similar kind of experience over and over and over in different near death experience books. And so I've come to feel that it is true. Um, but what is so interesting is the question of why would Jesus Christ, if George Ritchie really had this experience, why would he show them him this? And, um, I guess what I come away from it is that he's showing kind of, he's giving him a glimpse as to what happens when people become really attached to things on earth. And so Jesus, you know, he always taught that we should have an eternal perspective and um, that we're here to love, not to become attached. And I think that that he's showing George, you know, if I'm not just saying this, George, or I never said those things in my life because I wanted to be a restrictive person, I'm telling you to love people and to uh, live a life free of addictions and to live a life with a cleansed inner vessel because there are these laws that if you don't live in that way, that when you die, you're kind of stuck and you can't move on. And it's actually really sad that you are chained to the things on earth. And it's super interesting too. He also talks about, um, I don't think I'll read this part, but it shows how um, the people who are addicted or who are raging at one another in a disembodied state there are always angels watching over them and they're trying to reach out to them but the people cannot hear them or perceive them so it's not that they've been abandoned it's just that they've cut themselves off from light so thoroughly that until they turn their minds or change the way that they're thinking about reality that's when they can start to move on and be converted to Jesus Christ. And I do believe that can happen after death. But in the meantime, it's just a really awful existence for these people. So yeah, I think it's so loving of Christ, all the commandments he gave us. It's not to restrict us. He's really the most loving person. They're just eternal laws. And if we don't obey them, then we are stuck. We're truly stuck. So yeah, when I was reading this this section, I reread it just recently um, because I wanted to, I remembered this book as I was thinking about um, different letters I wanted to send. And and it's so, so um, evident how much Christ loves us and he's always reaching out, but we're just not always there aware of him that he is there reaching out. And, and that's okay. Like he's totally non-judgmental and okay with that, but doesn't mean he's not there. So that is it for December 9th. I am going to turn right around, (laughs) do my five minute edit and then, um, record the next episode. So I will talk to you again in just a little bit and, um, hope you guys are having a Merry Christmas. Bye.